You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. So how are my UT fans? Oh, I see. My A&M fans? All right, there you go. All right. A&M people must pray a little bit more. I don't know what that is. but We continue our series, First and Ten, and today we're talking about how you can get a large inheritance. That's why I see some of you are here, because you're thinking about, hey, I need some money, and it's a big good way. No, we're talking about how you can honor your father and mother this morning, and it's one of those things that all of us, we think about that we do honor our father and mother, or maybe we've struggled in our relationship with our mother and father, and in, in different ways, and so how can we honor them when they haven't honored us, or whatever the different relational tensions that we possibly have? And um, I, was, I was thinking about this message the last few weeks. I was thinking about man, families, or how we portray families has changed over the decades, hasn't it? I mean, you think about in the 1950s, whenever you saw a TV on the family, it was Leave It to Beaver, or Ozzy and Harriet, or Father Knows Best, or My Three Sons, or and some of you are like, I've never even heard of those shows. Um, they were in black and white. I've seen a few reruns um, from other, whatever, and this was before color TV. Did you know that there was shows that were black and white that weren't in color and that you could not download and stream like immediately? I mean, that was kind of the deal. Well, well, then along came color. We got the Flintstones. The Flintstones came around in the 60s, and then you had the Beverly Hillbillies. Some of you are like, yep, I know those people. Um, Andy Griffith. And uh, Bewitched and Dick Van Dyke, remember those shows and just how family kind of came. And then we got into the 70s and things kind of began to look a little bit different. And uh, the Brady Bunch, the Partridges, um, Mary Tyler Moore show, Good Times, All in the Family and Jeffersons. Things were a little bit different. We were moving on up, right? Things were changing. Or Good Times. Or what did he say? Dynamite? Is that what he said? Anyway, I saw a commercial with him the other day and he said Dynamite. He's still making money. Off of that. So anyway, over the through the decades, there have been many ways that the families have been portrayed. And you can think about it today that, you know, we have the Simpsons, we have Gilmore Girls, we have all these different types of families and we have married with children. We have the Connors, we have Roseanne, all these different families, home improvement, last man standing, all these different ones. Everybody loves Raymond and the family dynamic and how the family is portrayed is radically different. You think about it from those early shows, the father in many ways was kind of the hero, that they would go to the father for advice and for counsel, and he would display or give off some good uh, good wisdom, and the wife and kids would be like, oh, that's the greatest thing ever since sliced bread, and they would go and follow it. And now you got like everybody loves Raymond and Last Man Standing, and it's we ridicule the father, we ridicule the parents, and go in completely opposite directions from what our parents tell us. And so in some ways... I don't know if TV mimics home life or if home life mimics TV. I think maybe there's a little bit of balance. But this is where we're at today. The family is under attack. I think this is why one of the reasons that we're struggling as a nation, that we're struggling as a people, is because we've let home life become not central and core to who we are. And um, there's various reasons for all that. We won't talk about that today. But today I want to focus in on how we can honor our father and mother and get back to some of those things because the family life, the home life is the central unit of all society. Whenever you trace back through history, why did a society or why did a culture or why did a nation fall 
always it traces back to the fact that the home life began to fall apart. And that's what happened. They fell apart there because the home life, the mother and father relationship, the kid life, is the most important relationship we have. And it begins to fall apart. Things in society begin to fall apart as well. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, where we've been for the last few weeks. And we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And the verse is really simple. It says, honor your father and mother. Then, there's a promise there, then you will live a long life long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. We'll break that down a little bit more over the next few minutes. But the first thing that I want you to get is this, is that your home life, your family life, is the most important relationship that you have. It shapes all other relationships. You learn so much from growing up in your home. And there's some good things that you learn and some bad things that you learn. And like we've talked about, there are times where you do something or you say something and you're immediately like, oh, no, that was my mom or my dad. And just things that you don't want to carry on, but you're carrying them on anyway. Because much of the things that we learn from our parents is caught more than taught. In our home, it is the core of society, and we learn so many things there. Some of the things, again, are not good, but some of the things that we should be learning in our home is an understanding of how to respect authority. That our moms and dads, we don't necessarily choose them. They are chosen for us. And so we have to begin to understand how to respect authority. And why is that? Because there's going to be a day where you're going to have a teacher that you don't like or you're struggling with, and you learn how to deal with that authority by how you deal with your parents. And so those are opportunities for in our household to learn how to deal with authority and how to respect them, even if sometimes there's things that you don't agree with, to still respect because they've been placed in a position of authority over you. And so for us, what does it look like to live in that way? We also learn how to listen, right? I mean, as husbands and wives and with children and different relationships, one of the things that breaks down most often in a relationship is we do not listen well. Matter of fact, most of the time, whenever couples are coming in and we're doing premarital counseling or marriage counseling, the number one thing that I ask is, how do you communicate and how do you fight? Because we have to be able to fight fair. And if and the, one of the big things about fighting fair is having the opportunity to listen, to stop, quit coming up with your defense, but to be able to listen and understand what the other person is saying. Again, even if you don't agree to be able to listen and as best you possibly can to understand what they're trying to say to you. We also learn in the home life of how to be obedient. That there are times where we're called to be obedient and why we're obedient for no other reason than because our parents are our parents. And when they say what they say, we're supposed to do it. And I know that sounds old school, right? But it is this idea of parents are placed in a position of authority. And the reason that they're asking us to do some of these things is because generally they know best. And they have a plan and they're intentionally pursuing, hopefully, to raise us up and to train us up in what it means to look like and to act like and to love like Jesus. And so obedience is a big part of that. And we see that even throughout the New Testament. Jesus says, I only do what the Father asked me to do. And so he's a great model for us of obedience, to listen to our parents and then also to obey. It also teaches us how to live with other people. I have a daughter that's in college right now, and she's gone from having one roommate to four roommates. 
And one of the things that we're constantly talking about is how they live with one another or how they don't live well with one another and figuring those things out. And one of the things we're constantly talking about is how to listen, how to, how to work with each other and how to participate in living together, thinking about, hey, I've got four other roommates and they want to cook this stuff. And when they cook it, it smells up the entire house, but they don't clean the bathroom that we share. I mean, all those different things that you go through. You learn a lot of that growing up, of how I'm going to live and how I'm going to, to move forward in that way. And then also you learn how to love and to protect. Your parents hopefully are teaching you how to, how to love well, that even though there are times that you disappoint them, that there are things that you do that they disapprove of, they still love you. They want you to come back to them and ask them for the advice. They're still going to wrap their arms around you. You understand what unconditional love is. You understand what protection is, that your mother and father are there to protect you. And some of the rules and things that they want you to obey or they want you to do or not do is because they're trying to put around you a hedge of protection for you to understand that if you follow the guidelines that they have for you, this is where your best life is. And so many times as young people, we kind of see that, hey, these are barriers that are keeping us from fun. And so we pursue going outside of those barriers. And when we go outside of those barriers, there's consequences for breaking those rules. You get suspended. You get to stay home. You get a spanking, whatever those things might be. And very much so models how God the Father interacts with us is that he's given us these these commandments. He's given us these rules. He's given us these boundaries for life that if we live life, our best life is lived in the pasture that he gives us. But it always seems like it looks like the grass is greener on the other side of the fence for some reason. And so we try to get through to those other things. And whenever we get to those things and we taste of them and we see that they are not good, we long to come home. Because we understand that God the Father loves us and he wants the best for us. And sometimes that means that he puts protective boundaries around us because he knows that our heart's affections sometimes pursue other things and he's jealous for us. Our parents in the same way are jealous for us. They do not want us to go through some of the same shame, pain, and regrets that they went through. I know some of you as parents, we've talked about this, that some of the things that you do or you don't do as parents is because of things that you experience as a young person or as a young adult. You're like, I don't want my kids to go through that because I know what I deal with now as an adult because of the ramifications of those decisions back there. And yes, even decisions that you make at 12, 13, 14, and 15 can have long-term consequences for us. And we understand that as adults. And so we try to protect and love our kids. This idea of loving our neighbors begins at home. Even the great theologian Augustine, I'll kind of requote it for you. What he says is, he says this, if we mess up our relationship with our parents, if we intentionally dishonor our parents, those that are doing all that they can to love us and protect us and teach us all these different things, oh, woe is the heart of ours for all of our other relationships. In other words, if we will hurt our parents, intentionally hurt them, then you don't want to be friends with that person. Look closely at how people treat their parents and how they respond to them. So what does it mean for us to honor our parents? This word honor in the scripture is kabod or kabod, however you want to say it. Not commode, but kabod. All right. And it means this, to give weight to, to give honor to. To give glory to. As a matter of fact, it's used for the glory of God. That this is something that we give weight to them. So give weight and honor and glory to your parents. Why? Because they're in a position of authority. They're in a position where we should be pay reverence to them. 
Again, this is the most important relationship that we experience. And in this relationship with our parents, the good and bad is it also impacts and shows our relationship with God the Father. That in reverence to him, because he's in a position of authority, because of what he's given us and how he loves us and cares for us and is jealous for us, our parents, when they're at their best, are the same way that they're in this position of authority and they want to love us, they want to protect us, and so we should revere them. Now, are they perfect? No. But they're doing their best, hopefully. One of the other things that we should get out of this honor our parents is not just to have reverence for them, but also to be obedient. To understand that our parents are some of the things that they put before us is, again, for our love and protection. And they've experienced some things in life. And hopefully they're also striving to live out biblical commands and truth and principles and pass them on to us. And so the reasons they give us these things in our life is so that they can help us. And so if we obey those things, we're going to have a fruitful life as a young person, even as an adult. Also, this idea that we struggle with, I think, more and more today is the idea of being thankful. To be thankful. When's the last time that you are thankful for someone and you wrote them a thank you note? Many times we receive gifts now and we just kind of like, oh, that's cool, and we go on. And one of the things that we really work on at our house with our kids is every time you receive a gift, even if you're expecting it, at your birthday and at Christmas, we kind of get into that mode of like, well, it's my birthday. It's my world today. And so you just receive it. But in reality, no one has to give you a birthday gift. So to be thankful for that. To be thankful for the fact of, hey, listen, you're in a, in, a, in a spot where you have people in your life that have a little bit of extra income and they thought about you and they gave you a gift. And so we should be receiving of that and receptive of that, but then also to say, hey, thank you. Thank you for thinking of me and of being extravagant with me when you didn't have to be. I think another thing that this means is this is also honesty. I think it becomes more important as we age with our parents that sometimes it's more difficult to have the difficult conversations with them for various reasons or what do you want to hurt feelings or different things. But it's important for us to be honest, that for us to sit down with our parents again as, as we get older and have some of those conversations with our children as they get older and, and to understand who they are and who they're not and for us to come together and to listen to one another and to be honest. And that we would, if we were to talk and to communicate and to be honest as we get older, it would keep us from some of the stuff that we deal with as adults, with aged parents or vice versa as they're dealing with us. Because we, won't, we don't want to hurt you those feelings. We want them to come to Christmas. We want them to come to Thanksgiving. And so we're, we're afraid to, 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 to tread on certain things. Or maybe there are certain things in the family that are just kind of like, we've never talked about this. We're just going to, we're never going to deal with it. And we need to be honest and we need to dig into those things. And that's also a part of what it means for us to honor our parents. Think about two stories in the scripture. One is the story of David and Jonathan. Now, David was eventually going to become king, and Jonathan was at that time the prince, and because his father was King Saul. And King Saul was consistently having Jonathan, telling Jonathan to do something to hurt David. That um, King Saul did not like David, and so he was constantly trying to wedge himself in and trying to break up the friendship between Saul and or between David and Jonathan. He was kind of constantly doing this. But throughout the story, Jonathan obeyed his father to the things that, to the place that he could. He never harmed David, but he continually obeyed him. And then he would also continually honor his friendship with David. And David, even though he had opportunities to harm King Saul, he so respected the position of King Saul and also his friendship 
with uh, Jonathan that he never did anything to, to harm him. I think this is a great example for us is there's going to be times where maybe sometimes our parents' hearts or people in authority don't have the best interests of everyone involved and only have their interests. And so they're going to ask us to do something to harm us or to harm others. And how do you continually respect your parents but not necessarily obey them? I think that's a great example for us to be able to do that. And then I also think about the story of the prodigal son. That when the prodigal son came to his father and said to him, hey, I want my half of the inheritance, he was telling his father, hey, I want you dead. That's what he was telling him. And in those days, under the law, what should have happened, okay, what should have happened is that son should have gone before the elders at the gate. And at the elders at the gate, the father would have would have presented his case before him and said, hey, my son came to me Tuesday night at dinner and said he wished that I were dead. He wants his half of the inheritance and he wants it now so he can go do whatever he wants to do. And whenever he presented his case and the son would have said yes, immediately what should have happened is they would have gathered him up. And in those days, they would have stoned him for disrespecting his parents. That sounds pretty, pretty serious deal, right? But that's how serious it is for us to honor our parents, for us to give reverence to, to respect them. And that there are times where we have difficult situations with our parents, we have difficult situations with those that are in authority. But what does it mean for us to honor them, to respect them, and even to obey them to the point that we can, at least it doesn't harm us or anyone else. What does that look like? And one of the ways that we do that is to honor them and respect them, despite even what culture may be telling us. So why should we honor our parents? One is they've been given that position, okay? Some of you, I I can't imagine what you were like as teenagers, and your parents still loved you anyway, right? They have that position. Think about the sacrifices that your parents made. I don't know what your financial situation is or what kind of situation you grew up as a kid, and some of us had different experiences. But each one of us have to understand our parents made sacrifices for us. And many of us, our parents had the idea of the American dream, whatever that is. And part of that is, is that I want my child to have better and to have more than what I did. And there's good and bad to that. But they made sacrifices to do that. So some of you, your moms and your dads, they worked a whole lot so they could provide for you and you didn't see them as much because they wanted that. And so you get all these different things. Your parents made decisions and they even sacrificial decisions because they loved you and want to protect you and wanted you to have better. And also, as the scripture tells us, one of the reasons that we should honor our parents is because it glorifies God. It gives weight and glory to the decision that he made to give our parents to us. That even though we may at times not like it, maybe we may not understand it, we struggle with it, that he gave us those parents. Then also, as scripture says, it's just the right thing to do. That we are to honor those that are placed in authority over us. And then maybe for the final thing, he tells us, hey, we actually get a reward. We, we like getting rewards, don't you? Even when you go to the dentist or you go like that, you get a reward for going. And so here God says, listen, I want to give you a reward that you will live a long life in the land. Now, that's for those that in that day that meant that, hey, they were going to get to live a long time in the promised land. What it means for us is that we will experience abundance in life. That may not mean years, but it means that we're going to experience a wonderful relationship, potentially a wonderful relationship with our parents. In Ephesians chapter six, one through three, we see this kind of played out in this way. Children. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor, give weight to, raise up your father and your mother. This is the commandment, the first commandment of all the commandments with a promise. 
And what's that promise? That if you honor your father and mother, then things will go well for you and you will live a long life on earth. Now, again, this is an idea of not just length, but more importantly, abundance. It's this abundance that comes from healthy relationships. To be in a healthy relationship with one another, you're doing things right, you're lifting up others, and you will experience the benefit of what that is and how you can have good relationships. And again, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, the relationships that we have with our neighbors and those around us are directly impacted by our relationship with God the Father. That if there's something here that we're struggling with through these relationships, check out that stuff, but then also check out how's my relationship with God the Father and vice versa. How's my relationship with God the Father is great. It's out here. What's going on? And those things go together. It's this interesting thing that God has set up, kind of the balance of life for us, that those things go hand in hand. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, he says, Paul says it this way, Children, always obey your parents. Now, again, I go back to that story of Jonathan, that there were times that his father asked him to do things that would harm David, and he would still obey his father. He would do some of the things, but he wouldn't fully do it because he wouldn't harm him. He knew that would go against what God would want for him, but he still obeyed his father. For this pleases the Lord. The next thing I want you to think about is then what should we, if we're to honor our mother and father, what should we expect from our parents? What should we be expecting from them? Well, hopefully, as your parents, if you're growing up in a Christian home, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be training you up and raising you in the way of the Lord. In other words, they're going to be putting you in a direction. They're going to be giving you these things like the Ten Commandments. Again, they're wanting to point you to Jesus, to know him, to love him, and to grow in him. And what does it mean to to know and to love Jesus? It means love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor and to pursue those relationships that this position of authority, this position of ways, is that we're trying to please the Lord through that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. I don't know why they don't say this to moms, but um, they say this to dads. Dads, do not aggravate. And um, one, because we're the spiritual leaders of the home. But what does it mean to aggravate? It means to just discourage them, to constantly be on them in such a way that we lower, we're not encouraging them. To encourage means to place courage into, to, to move them forward, to motivate them. And this is just the opposite, that we actually squash them and not encourage them, but to discourage them. What also should we get? That our, our parents are going to teach our kids how to grow and how to grow up and how to love well. That they're going to get proper discipline. That they're going to be prayed over. That they're going to get encouragement. That your parents are supposed to give you wise counsel. That you go to them and they don't just make up stuff, but they go to the Word. They they bring wise counsel to you. They bring protection to you. They're for you, not to harm you, but to protect you. They bring provision for you. That whenever you come for them for lunch money, most of the time they provide it. All right. Unless you got a job and your parents say, hey, you need to start paying for your lunch or your clothes. Right. There's also this part of launching your children out. You don't want them to be 25 coming home asking for lunch money. You want your parents to be a godly example. And what does it mean for to watch in a home of a mother and a father loving each other well and growing and pursuing Jesus? Now, does this mean perfection? No. It doesn't. Actually, I think one of the things that we need to do is for our children to see mom and dad have some discussions and talk about things and to see how mom and dad fight fair. 
that there are some discussions that probably should be off limits for our children, but as our children grow up, that they should be privy to some conversations. And when money's tight, maybe the kids, whenever they're 14 or 15, maybe they should be able to sit down at the dinner table with mom and dad and say, hey, money's tight. Where do we need to make some budget cuts and help your kids understand, hey, we're not just an ATM. We're not just a bank. There's not a tree in the back where we're pulling dollars off of that. We are together a family unit. And there are times where things are difficult and we've got to work through this stuff together to be a godly example. And one of the parts of that is, man, I cannot tell you how many times I've looked at my kids and said, hey, dad messed up. I'm sorry. That's a part of being a godly example is acknowledging the fact that you're human and that you're going to make mistakes. And we make mistakes and The best part of all that is God's grace is most of our mistakes, our kids forget. That's very good. Also, we need to be educating and training up our children, not just for school things, but also to educate them in the faith. We need to teach them the scripture. We need to teach them how to worship. And the only way that we can do that is if we're doing it at home and if we're bringing them here. Remember, the central place for faith training is not here. It's at home. And so, again, that's why we're continually trying to give you tools and resources to be able to do that. Because let's acknowledge most of us, even though we grew up in a Christian home, our parents did not have an intentional path and model for raising us up in the faith. And so what does that look like for us? And so that's one of our partnerships with you is to help you raise your children up in that because most of us didn't didn't have that. And then also to train them up to just launch, to get them out of your house and to be healthy adults. Because one day you hope that they're going to get married and find someone that's the dream of their life and that that other person is the content of their character is great content of their character because they've been transformed by Jesus. And so that you want your your daughter or your son to marry someone that's in pursuit of Jesus, that you hopefully, that as they get married, that they have a job and they're not trying to move back in and maybe there's seasons of that, but then also that a day when they become a parent that probably, my hope, my prayer is that my kids are better parents than I am. That they've, that I've influenced them in a way that they're like, hey, mom and dad did a good job, but I think there's some things that we can even do even better. And again, that they love Jesus even a little bit more than I do. And that that's a part of that influence to be able to do that. So how then can we honor our parents? Listen, kids need parents. All right. We're going to go through these phases where we're kids, we're teens, we're young adults. And even with aged parents, again, honesty is a big part of this. And in different seasons, honor looks different in each season. What does it look like for a kid to honor parents? It's a lot of it's obedience. For teenagers, a lot of it's obedience, but also this beginning to have conversations. Whenever someone asks you, a a kid at a certain age begins to ask you why, you begin to tell them why. They need to understand your thought and your process and the biblical understanding of wisdom and counsel for that. And then also you get to that point where you have aged parents. You need to be honest and have some of those conversations with them and about what they want and, and all that. And those are difficult difficult decisions and, and discussions to have, but those are things that we need to have and not be surprised by things. That's another way to honor our parents um, as they get aged. One final thing that I want you to grasp is that we all have, or hopefully we have what I like to call spiritual fathers, Okay. And that God the Father is in a relationship that we have. And, and I, I understand that practically not all of us have had good, healthy relationships with our father or our dad. I get that. And so that distorts our relationship with God the Father. 
But I do believe that many of us, even if our dad wasn't a good influence, that someone along the way came alongside and mentored us, whether that was a coach, whether that was a Sunday school teacher, whether that was a boss or whatever. Someone has had influence in your life in a positive way and and fathered you or mothered you in a way that they loved you and cared for you and protected and you went to them for wise counsel for all that. And that we in the home is a template for all of our relationships. Okay, A home life, it's not perfect, but it's a template for what relationships would look like in all of our life, whether that's school, whether that's work, whether that's athletics, whether that's our government, whether that's church, that there are people that are placed in authority over us. And sometimes we're not going to agree with them. But we still have to listen and to follow through and to be in relationship with them and figure out best how can we obey and do what God's calling us to do in those relationships. Again, I believe that this is one of the things, the breakdown of the home is a big part of our struggles in society. And so for us, what does it look like to honor my parents? So that's my question for you this morning. Have you been honoring your parents? No matter what age you're in or what season in, are you honoring your parents? Maybe what's the last time you've said thank you to your parents? Some of the sacrifices that they made that you don't even know about. The things that they gave up so that you could have something, so that you could be cool or whatever, that they've given up for you to thank your parents. And then maybe you're at a place where you're saying, hey, I just need to, I, I, I honor my parents, I've been thankful, but I do need to work on my relationship. I do need to have some honest conversations. I knew, do need to sit down with them if your parents are still around. If you're a parent, if you're an adult and you don't have your parents and you've got kids, you need to have those conversations as well. What does it look like for us to grow and to be honest and to honor one another in our home life together. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, we thank you that you are our Father. That much of the imagery of Scripture shows you as a Father that loves on us, that it's extravagant with us, that dotes on us, that protects us that does everything possible for us to point us to our brother in Christ, that shows us to Christ, our brother, in faith. And, Father, that even Jesus continually shows us the example of, I only do what my Father tells me to do. I'm only about my Father's business. Father, may that be our heartbeat. May we be about our dad's business. May we, may we know it. May we pursue it. May we live it out. May we love him with all of our heart and love our neighbors well. Because that's your business. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.